Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. What's up, everybody? It's your boy George Carney from Full Press Commanders. I'm with my boy Ryan from the Full Press Giants. We're talking Giants Commanders Week 13 matchup, baby. Let's get it on. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us on this lovely Friday evening. I know I'm feeling pretty good. I got a little beverage over here. I encourage you guys all to do the same. Uh, we're here for a pivotal Week 13 matchup between the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders. I'm joined with Ryan Cuneo. Is that how, that's how you pronounce your last name? Uh, hard C, so Cuneo. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Cuneo. I love that. Ryan Cuneo, Full Press Giants. He's the managing editor of the Full Press Giants webpage. He does a lot of great articles. He actually had a preview for this week. We'll talk about that today. He's also the host of the Full Press Giants podcast. Ryan, how you doing today, bro? Man, I'm doing good. Giants, Commanders, December football. Both of our teams are in, are in the playoff mix. What is that all like about, right? Playoff implications. <laughs> I feel like we're like the, the Paul Rudd Hot Ones meme where it's just like, look at us. Who would have <laughs> 100%. Unbelievable. I can't believe we're here. It is unbelievable. It's awesome. And it's like, um, I think you and I may have talked, I know we talked on, offline. I don't know if we actually talked online about where we would be at the beginning of the season. And I don't think any one of us would have assumed we'd be at this point. So it's actually awesome that we're here. Um, so Ryan, let's talk about this. Man. It's been a wild ride. So week 13 matchup, we have a, a matchup of two seven wins teams. We have the commanders visiting the Giants up there for a home and home for us because we have a bye week in between. Um, what's the state of the Giants, man? Seven and four. Um, you guys lost three of the last four games. Started off the year at seven and two. Um, we saw you on the, you know, we saw you on against on Thursday against the Cowboys. How would you describe the state of the Giants and their mentality right now? Uh, well, it's probably at a like we're we're still a seven and four team, so I don't want to get too negative off the hop here, but it's probably at a season low just because mm. you know, obviously, as you mentioned, we've lost three of our last four. Injuries mm-hmm. have kind of hit the team over the mm-hmm. last few weeks. We're getting a, a little bit healthier for this Sunday, so that may help. But over the last few weeks, we've lost some pretty important guys on both sides of the ball. Um, and some of the some of the real uh, strengths of the team that led to our strong start mm-hmm. had have kind of diminished, particularly the run game um, and kind of playing clutch on third and fourth downs. That's kind of gone away during this little skid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and those are things that, you know, hopefully the run game, we can get back going as we get our offensive line more healthy, but uh, that kind of like, like Daniel Jones, like early in the season was like really good on third downs. And that hasn't quite been the case the last few weeks. So that's something that you don't know if that's going to come back or not. That's kind of, you know, not the most sustainable thing. So there's still a little trepidation um, amongst giants fans right now, but um, 
Yeah, I, I would still it's still overly optimistic. I mean, we still only need a two or three more wins to make the playoffs. So that just mathematically speaking, we're in a good place. But uh, in terms of the actual health and performance of the team, probably at a at a season low right now, I would say. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll actually deep dive into stats and I'll show you some graphics in a moment. So it's interesting. So from what I gather, the Giants have been kind of beat up in regards to injuries, right? So yeah. it was, didn't last week get to start six new starters in one game or something like ridiculous like that, including three crazy. out of five? Three out of five on the offensive line. What's going on? Where are the injuries coming from? Is this something lingering? Was this an actual serious injury? What happened? Just a bunch of diff- weird stuff. Like the weirdest one is Xavier McKinney, who's our best safety, okay. injured his hand in an ATV accident on the bye mm. week. You never want to see that. Never. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Evan Neal, our rookie right tackle, uh, he had to go on IR with, I believe it was a knee injury. Um, mm-hmm. And then we had a couple interior offensive ban- linemen banged up. Our receiving core, our rookie um, second round pick, Wandell Robinson, he's out for the year. Wow, um, I know that. Yeah, and then on defense, our secondary, like I mentioned, McKinney, but also Adoree Jackson, who's uh, the number one corner on the Giants. He is out. He'll probably be back later in the year, just mm-hmm. before the playoffs, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fabian Moreau, so, who I know you know, mm-hmm. uh, former Washington Commander football of football member, team, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he okay. played football in the, in the city of DC. Okay. Um, he even missed last week, but he should be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's probably going to have to be the number one corner, which isn't the best news, but um, it is what it is. Um, but thankfully, the Giants are getting a little bit healthier in the front seven. They're going to get Aziz Ojolari back, outside linebacker, uh, in his second year. Him pairing with Kayvon Thibodeau, who probably had his best game of the year last week against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Getting mm-hmm. him back as kind of bookends to pair with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence in the middle. Mm. That should be the strength of this defense going forward. So if there's anything to kind of feel good about in terms of getting healthier, it's that front seven getting healthier, which should uh, lead to better defensive performances down the stretch here. Gotcha, gotcha. So is it safe to say that the injury, kind of the way things have been kind of going over the past couple of weeks, that's that's led to the three and four um, outcomes? Or what do you think? It's been a contributing factor, but I don't want to say that's the number one reason. Like I okay. said, the Giants were winning. Um, you know, I think all of their wins have come by one one score this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they were you know blowing teams away. Like I think even the most optimistic of Giants fans would have told you, you know, the Giants aren't as good as their record would indicate. Then we're not like some league elite Chiefs, Bills, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Eagles type of team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think that was just kind of you know, uh, you know, just a, 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 yeah, regression kind of a natural regression, regression that you're come to expect. So mm-hmm. that's part of it too. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, they just, the run game has not come through really. That's the big factor is Saquon Barkley. He's been slowing down. He injured it's his so shoulder in so, week five. Talk about and that since then he just yeah, hasn't yeah. quite been the same explosive guy. Mm. And that's really been the engine of the giants offense. So him, him not playing as well. The offensive line injuries have contributed to their, um, you know, their worst running rushing performances recently as well. So I would say yeah. those are the, the biggest factors. Interesting. Okay. We're, we're definitely going to talk offensive strategy in a moment, but I want to pull up a couple of graphics right here. So, you know, starting off with a seven and four, um, you know, start of the year seven and two and, you know, coming up from DC, you know, we talked preseason, right? No one really thought that the Giants were going to go just be start off with that really hot streak that we, you know, everyone kind of saw right there. Um, so the Brian Dabble era, right? So he definitely um, he kind of started off on the right foot. Like, how is he perceived in New York? Because he kind of like kind of. I mean, I'm sure it's positive reviews, right? So far. Oh yeah, for sure. It's still the honeymoon era with with mm-hmm. Dable. He's mm-hmm. the, he's the golden boy right now. Um, mm-hmm. Started off right away, week one, going for two against the Titans. That coming out with the win because of that. And since then, he's just been like big ball table, man. <laughs> fans, <laughs> fans are riding with him. Um, you know, people have even been more critical of, you know, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones. He's always been criticized. Um, yeah. But Dable is the guy who, uh, yeah, fans are behind. And quite frankly, deservedly so. Like the guy's done a really good job this year, um, mm-hmm. you know, in game decision making. The Giants always seem to have a really good offensive game plan to mm-hmm. kind of maximize a not so great, um, you know, roster in terms of talent on the offensive side of the ball so uh he's you know daniel jones is having his you know cleanest season in terms of uh, taking care of the ball and that could be attributed to him as well so yeah coaching in general whether mm-hmm. it's dable or even wink martindale on defense or mm. uh, mike kafka the offensive coordinator coaching has definitely been the biggest reason why the giants have 
a better than expected record. So even if the Giants slide a little bit down the stretch and don't have the, you know, keep, don't keep up the same winning pace that they had earlier in the season, um, he's still going to he's still going to be uh, having high reviews after this year. Yeah, I'm sure. I'll be honest with you from an outside, like third person perspective, it feels like the Giants are kind of being built the right way, right? It kind of seems mm-hmm. like it's like they're kind of a year ahead of schedule for basically this whole like rebuild over here. Um, Joe Shane, I guess, is a GM. Like, I know really good things about him from Buffalo. How has he been perceived so far in New York? Are people pretty high on him and happy with what he's done so far? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't think there's been a bad move. I The only move that he's made that you know, at least initially uh, was criticized was trading Kadarius Tony, who the mm. Giants took uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the first round just a couple of years ago, the wide receiver to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He looked really good in Kansas City um, initially. Now he's been hurt the last two or three weeks, I think, with KC, which was the case yeah. with the Giants. So it's like, uh, maybe the Giants kind of sold the Chiefs uh, some broken goods and still got some draft <laughs> picks back. Um, because what was the deal with Tony? Like, I mean, he was a. Uh... Coming out of Florida, you know, hot prospect, explosive prospect, you know, you know, Ty, Ty, Tyreek Hill light, you know, something like in regard to that and completely fell apart. And I think everyone kind of talked about character issues coming out of the draft. Is that fair to say or do you, do you, see, do you see something different or what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not in the building, so it's hard for me to speak to character necessarily. But the, the I think the biggest reason is he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Like, mm-hmm. We've seen big flashes from him, you know, mm-hmm. in the Cowboys game uh, as a rookie, he went off for like 180 something yards. Mm-hmm. Um, he played really well against the Saints last year, against the Rams before he got hurt, but it's just injury after injury. And then him also not showing up to like certain offseason programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just hasn't really like shown the obvious commitment that you want to mm-hmm. see from a young player like you see from guy like Saquon Barkley or mm-hmm. Evan Neal or Kayvon Thibodeau or some of the other Giants young guys. It's it's always seemed like he's hasn't been fully committed to football. He doesn't always, you know, show up to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, the biggest issue is he just he, he can't stay on the field. And if he can't stay on the field, he can't help the team. Gotcha. I got a question in the chat from one of my boys. So if you guys are listening to my show, you guys should definitely check out the command this podcast at 830. Uh, Phil, Dev, and Steve, they're awesome. They're good people. Um, shout out from one of the guys in the group. It says, what's up, George? FBC in the house. Ryan, what's your take on Daniel Jones? A very polarizing figure in the Giants world, right? Um, this past season, I think he might get his token 79 yards rushing this weekend as usual. Um, I think, you know, I kind of joke that Daniel Jones becomes vanilla Vic whenever he plays yeah. Washington. He kind of goes crazy around here. So what's the state of daniel jones in uh, new york dude i agree i think he's gonna <laughs> i don't know what it is when, you, yeah. when he plays washington i don't know if it's like chase young and montez sweater like especially aggressive so he's able to like pull on those own reads and just take it around yeah. the edge yeah but he's always like just running free down the field against you guys i don't know i don't know what it is but um um yeah i mean jones has been one of the most He's interesting. a free agent at the end of the year, right? Isn't his yeah, contract yeah. up? Okay, so I want to hear about that too. So go ahead with that. Yeah, yeah. Joe Shane declined his fifth year option, so this is his mm. last year under wow. contract with the Giants. Um, it's kind of a tricky situation because I would say if if you you know gave Joe Shane truth serum, he mm-hmm. would probably say I eventually want to get our own guy, I'll get a guy mm-hmm. on a rookie contract in here, a guy that I've scouted, I believe in, mm-hmm. um, to eventually become the starting quarterback and the franchise quarterback for the Giants. Mm -hmm. Um, the issue is the giants might have too good of a record to be in a position to draft a quarterback next year. That's true. And, you know, it's not like there there's great options in free agency every year. And, you know, we've seen with, you know, the situation with Russell Wilson and the Broncos trading Mm -hmm. for a veteran to come in is sometimes not worth the trouble. So, uh, he might still be their best option next year. Um, and if he keeps on winning games, then he'll, you know, keeping the quarterback until, you know, he gives the reason the gives the giants a reason to move on. So he hasn't been, he's, <laughs> he's obviously had bad, uh, you know, a bad supporting cast, awful coaching before this year, even this year, like his receiving cores, you know, one of the worst in the league, his mm-hmm. offensive line is a little injury prone. It's been better than it has been in years past, but it hasn't been great. He's still one of the most pressured quarterbacks in football. So, you know, he's, I think he's pretty good. I just don't think he's great. I think he has a pretty clear-cut ceiling i think uh-huh. his ceiling is like ryan tannehill like if you give him I a good system that. good running game he mm-hmm. can he's a he's a good play action quarterback so if you you know get the run game going with saquon he can you know uh, pr- do pretty well off of that so i think he is a quarterback you can win with mm-hmm. i don't necessarily think he's a quarterback that you're going to win because of yeah uh but 
right now the Giants are winning with him. So, you know, they might not have the the means to let him go just yet. So it's funny. Washington's in a very similar situation here in D.C. Um, you know, command this podcast, kind of dealing, putting, you know, thinking about putting Taylor Heineke on the trade block. Would you guys take a first round draft pick for Taylor Heineke in New York right now? <laughs> uh, I you know, I, you know, me, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, we're going to have to have a meeting about that and really put yeah. it together and really yeah, study yeah, yeah. the tape on, on Heineke. Um, right uh-huh. now, I'm going to have to decline that. But, um, yeah, we'll definitely get back to you on that. So yeah, real quick might, though, yeah. before we get into all the, just kind of just keep, we're having fun though, but before we get into the real stuff, like what's your perception of Taylor Heineke in New York or what's the New York vibe? Like when you got to listen to New York talk radio, are they just kind of like clowning Taylor Heineke? Are they scared of him? Like what's the, what's the rationale up there? Dude, no, I feel like I want, I want, I want Carson Wentz in there. <laughs> like, oh really? I, I okay. thought we were getting okay. the Carson Wentz commanders. And oh, I think you guys should have okay. to start him yeah. at least one game. Then just yeah. to be fair. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly a little bit scared of Heineke. The guy's a gamer, man. He is guy, a gamer, I remember. Man. Gosh, I think it was the Thursday night game in like week two last year. Um, yeah, I was, was at that game. That was awesome. Yeah, game. that was mm-hmm. one of Daniel Jones' better games. But Taylor Heineke <laughs> yeah, he was, was like he was even crazy. better. Yeah. He was amazing in that game. Like clutch plays, like scrambling away from trouble. Mm-hmm. He's a guy. He's a gamer, man. I'm. I would. I'm not happy about facing him. I would much rather face any of the other quarterbacks you guys have had, whether it be Carson Wentz or Kyle Allen or whoever. You know, whatever. He's he's the the guy I'm most afraid of. Um, I don't he know. A, what, it's crazy. He just, he just has a winning record and he can make it happen yeah. for us. And it's just like, he's a very polarizing figure. I imagine he is the equivalent of your Daniel Jones here in DC. People kind of think, you know, we, we actually didn't, didn't invest as much as you guys. That's, I think that's a differentiating factor right there. But with Taylor Heineke, people love the fact that he's a gamer. There's like a Heineke hive. We call him the Heineke hive on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And they basically like, they love him. They root for him. They think that he can do no wrong. Um, there's some that are hypercritical of him and basically saying like, you know, he can't be a franchise quarterback. He's great for now and don't have that downfield vision. Um, but I think almost all of us agree that we should just ride this hot streak. And if he's really like, you know, does he have a little bit of magic in him? And he does. Like, he has a propensity to turn the ball over. So like, he's almost guaranteed one interception a game. It just happens. I think he has 25 interceptions in 19 – or sorry, 25 turnovers in 19 games. So it's going to happen. New York's going to get the opportunity to get the ball from him. But at the same time, third down, scrambling, avoiding sacks. Um, the team just likes his energy and he wins. So I, I, we are kind of confident in him. And I think – I think the the DC fan base kind of wants to ride Heineke out the rest of the year, but there's a lot of talk in the DC media that Carson Wentz has a higher upside because he's a bigger arm. And basically um, they like Ron Rivera is kind of hinted at potentially putting Carson Wentz back in. So I don't know. It's funny that like in the NFC East opponents, like the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Giants, like you know, put Carson Wentz back in, but we'll see, we'll see how it all goes. So I don't know. See how it goes over there. Yeah, uh, I hope he does. I hope Carson Wentz plays. I mean, so those commanders play the Giants, then they have a bye. Yeah. And they play the Giants again. So if the Giants beat Heineke and if he has maybe like a multi-interception game, maybe maybe they they make the move over the bye and go with Wentz. Potentially, but I think like the local, like there's this guy named John Kime. I don't know if you, I know Jordan Renan's the ESPN guy for um, New York Giants, but um, we have John Kime for Washington Commanders. John Kime's like known for being reputable and honest and objective. From his inside sources, he's saying that Taylor Heineke probably has a two-game leash, right? So he could like completely flame out against the mm-hmm. Giants this game, but they'll probably give him one more opportunity because he's won five of the last six games and he's done a really good job. So it's kind of unfair to yank him after one game. Um, we'll see. Like, I think I, I'll be honest with you. Like the Giants are the one team that like always scares me in particular because I feel like they're throw the records out the window. You guys always play us really hard. And like, it's funny. We've actually won the last two games against, if I remember correctly, but it is, you always play us hard. It's always like competitiveness. You guys can be like four and 12 and like beat us twice that year. It's always kind of crazy how that works out. So I don't know how the game's going to play out. Yeah. I don't know either. It's, it's, it's a huge game. I feel like it's a pretty evenly matched game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you guys are like three point favorites. I think um, my, my, I've got down minus two now, but it was like three okay. at one point. Yeah. Yeah, which I think makes sense. Um, you guys are kind of trending up. You guys have won like what six of your last seven games or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Giants are trending a little bit down. So, but I, I think the teams are pretty even if you look at talent across the board, coaching. The one thing I'm really scared of though is we don't have anybody to cover um, Terry McLaurin. And mm. you're talking about Daniel Jones always burning uh, Washington. Terry McLaurin always burns the Giants. Uh, he's averaging like almost 100 yards per game. Even when the Giants had like James Bradbury, you would burn him. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what, whether it's, uh, Kyle Allen, uh, you know, Tara, uh, Taylor Heineke, it doesn't really matter the quarterback. He always goes off. So I'm, I'm concerned about how we're going to stop him on Sunday. 
Yeah, Heineck, I mean, so yeah, I'll pull up some stats right here. Terry McLaurin is, you know, he is our captain. He had that large contract and he's delivering right now. 840 yards on the season, top 10 in the NFL. Um, the only thing, the only chink in uh, Terry McLaurin's armor is the fact that he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. I believe he has maybe maybe three on the season or two on the season, something in regard to that, maybe, maybe four at this point. But um, he definitely is putting up the numbers. And I do, I do see that as a plus advantage for us. But um, yeah, I guess we can talk defense first. I always, I stereotypically go offense first. Well, you know, we're already on this route. So Washington going against the Giants defense. What is your defensive strategy? Like, what's the strengths of the defense? Like, I see a little snicker on your face. Are you guys worried about your defense or what's going on there in New York? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So we are worried about our defense. Okay. Uh, because of the injuries in the secondary. Like I said, it's Fabian Moreau is going to be after be our number one corner. Okay. And then after that, it's like. You know, guys you've never heard of. Rodarius Williams, Nick McLeod, uh, 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 Cordell Flott. Like a bunch of guys that are just honestly shouldn't be playing, getting like meaningful snaps in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, and from what I understand, you guys uh, are finally getting a, a nice healthy year from Curtis Samuel. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and is, is Dotson, is he going to play in this game? Yeah, he is. So it's funny. So John Dotson came out really hot. He actually started off the year really good, and he actually had four touchdowns in the first three games, something of, of that regard. Um, he actually was really close with Carson Wentz because um, Terry McLaurin held out during training camp. He actually was trying to go for a bigger contract. And when Terry McLaurin was out, Jahan Dotson built that chemistry with Wentz. So in that red zone, it would always be Jahan Dotson in the slot on a nickel cornerback, on a linebacker beating him, and Carson Wentz would hit him for a touchdown. The problem is he had a hamstring injury. I believe he missed five games. Um, you know, that kind of like disrupted the chemistry there. He's come back and now Heineke is a starter. And Heineke just has a natural connection with Terry McLaurin that basically he's had for like almost a year and a half now. Um, the, it's been a blessing in disguise for Washington because Terry McLaurin is our best wide receiver by far. Carson Wentz was not throwing to Terry. It was kind of like a hot topic at the beginning of the year where Terry McLaurin wasn't getting first half looks. Like it'll be like, the first half of the second game and Terry McLaurin wouldn't even have got a target at him. But now Terry, now Taylor Heineke, he's more of a Brett Favre-esque kind of quarterback. He's force-feeding Terry McLaurin, and Terry McLaurin's a contested catch catcher, and he basically is like making production from it, which is actually pretty great. And like honestly, having Terry McLaurin rise to the occasion, having a run game rise to the occasion has basically uplifted our team altogether. So it's kind of what we're seeing right there. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but we – the Giants are going to have to get um, like, you know, Wink Martindale is known for, you know, his blitzes and his aggressive style. So the Giants mm -hmm. are going to have to get, you know, stop the run on early day downs, put the, you know, Washington in some uh, third and long, some obvious passing situations and get some quick pressure. Because if the secondary has to cover for, you know, an extended period of time, and Taylor Heineke has time in the pocket. We just don't have the secondary to, to match up with, uh, you know, all of your healthy receivers. So um, if the Giants aren't able to get pressure on Heineke, it, it could get ugly. It's going to be interesting, actually, because, you know, we would assume so Washington has been doing well in regard to rushing attempts. Like if you actually look at our stats, I'll pull them up right now. If you kind of look at our stats, Washington has been doing pretty well on the run game, but it hasn't actually because of yards per carry. It's actually been just kind of the commitment to the run. Like yeah. I believe last before our most recent game, I think we were like 28th or 27th in yards per carry. Um, but we, we saw the 15th ranked rushing offense. And that that's that data is actually kind of skewed because the first six games of the year, Carson went through the ball 35, 40 times a game. So now we're actually really committing to his run. So we're kind of moving our way up there. Um, our rushing, we are more of like a first level kind of rushing attack. We'll get, you know, we'll, we'll hit your offensive line. We'll fall for three yards and kind of beat you by like paper cuts as the, as the game goes on, we don't really break it open. But, um, what I've been reading going into this game, Ryan, is that the defensive line, despite having Lawrence and big cat in the middle, you guys are susceptible to large runs, right? You guys give up like a pretty, like almost bottom of the league yards per carry. Is that true? Yeah. Well, our linebackers are really bad. Um, okay. if I'm being frank, um, we have uh, Jalen Smith, who we signed off. <laughs> we all know basically, about Jalen Smith. They signed off the street. Like, he's always seemingly available, the former Cowboy. Um, yeah. That I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. And then we have Tay Crowder, who was the last pick of the draft a few years ago, Mr. Irrelevant. He's still sticking around. But we just have – we don't have very solid linebackers that read their keys very well and mm -hmm. fill holes very well. And they're not very disciplined, especially on, like, misdirection runs. Um, we get gashed on those. So we do have good defensive linemen. Like I'm, I'm going to stay about Dexter Lawrence is having an awesome year. Lennon Williams is a you know, really solid player. 
We don't have yeah. great depth, unfortunately, along the defensive line. After those two guys, it gets a little iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, but those two guys are good. They're playing a lot of snaps, but our linebackers are just, um, you know, some of the worst in football. So when Interesting. we get, yeah, when we, when we get gashed, we get gashed for a lot of yards. So what's that's gonna be actually really interesting. Something to keep an eye on, Ryan, like as we both kind of, uh, watch the game. Um, basically Washington is really like, they're known for like variating their style and like, their window dressing, like all those types of like, you know, jet suite, you know, they're doing all these motions pre-snap but when it ultimately comes down to it, they're running a duo concept. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're really familiar with that, but it's mm-hmm. you pretty much double up on a defensive tackler, double up on it's more of a power run style. Right. So, it'd be like, you know, a guard in the center crashing down on the one technique or the three technique and pushing like Dexter Lawrence down and then try to run up at the linebackers. So if the linebackers aren't really great at filling the gaps, that might actually kind of favor Washington. We might have some pretty big games there. So that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, um, definitely. So real quick though. So Wink Martin, yeah, I'm actually kind of jealous. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a from DC, you know, Baltimore's right down the street. Like, you know, that's a, that's a secondary game I see every single week. And Wink Martindale is actually like a pretty legit defensive coordinator. I'm kind of surprised you guys got him. Like, he has actually have a great coaching staff. Um, what are the early returns on Wink Martindale? Do you guys like him over there in New York? Do you guys think like is he too aggressive with his blitzes, or what do you think about that? We like him. Um, yeah. he's kind of you know what you're going to get with Wink, so <laughs> he doesn't really, um, you know, change his approach. Like the mm-hmm. Giants against the Cowboys didn't have the secondary really to consistently run man coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did it anyway. <laughs> he pressured yeah. and ran coverage. It worked in the first half because the Giants were able to get quick pressure on Dak. But in the second mm-hmm. half, uh, he kind of torched guys like, you know, the the backups that we have in there, Nick McLeod, stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, Darnay Holmes. So it really didn't work out in the second half, and that's when the Cowboys really pulled away. So, um, you know, when the Giants are fully healthy and they have a Dory Jackson in there who's a really good, uh, you know, top cover guy, um, he's done a pretty good job. Now, the Giants haven't faced – uh, great quarterbacks this year, but you know, even against guys like Aaron Rodgers, um, Lamar Jackson earlier in the year, he's done pretty well. So we're happy with him. Um, you know, he just have to, he's the kind of guy he needs his personnel to get the best out of his defense. And you even mm-hmm. saw that with the Ravens last year when they had such a banged up secondary and then they had, you know, uh, uncharacteristically bad defensive year because he really just didn't change up his approach and they got burnt for it. So, um, this is a game where, like I said, the Giants don't have the best corners uh, coming into this game, so his approach might backfire. We'll see. Uh, but overall, we've been we've been very happy with Wink. Is it? That's awesome. That's really good to hear. It's going to be interesting to see how the game plays out, right? So, like you know, on paper, you'd assume that Washington wants to run the ball and maybe create some offense on on the ground. Um, but if Wink has a straight man coverage like approach going into the game, that might veer towards Washington's favor as well. Because we do Curtis Samuel has been, you know, Terry McLaurin's Terry McLaurin is, you know, he's top 10, top 15 quarter wide receiver in the league. Curtis Samuel is more of like a rushing threat now. We kind of use him more like as a running back slash like kind of a Swiss Army knife kind of player, but he is, you know, he's a route runner as well. And then we have Jahan Dotson, who's a technician. So if, they, if it's like, hey, like your nickel cornerbacks on Jahan Dotson, I think that's the kind of tips of cap to Washington as well. So I do kind of see the advantage there, but I'm curious how much Washington would actually like veer off their game script. Like, are they really going to start throwing the ball around? They're going to try to stick with their identity. Um, is is are the Giants like pretty like um, advantageous? Do they jump and they do they cause turnovers, interceptions, or not really? Because I think like that might be that might be the biggest breaker of the game. Like, I can see Heineke throwing a pick six, and all of a sudden it's a closer game than it has to be. Um, the Giants went on a long streak early in the season where they just didn't get an interception or they had like one over the first like seven or eight weeks. Yeah. Um, they picked off Dak twice last week. You know, interceptions are weird. They're, they kind of come in bunches. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, hard yeah. to predict. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the Giants definitely haven't like been feasting on turnovers, um, mm-hmm. this season. So that's not, you know, I would say, you know, maybe Taylor Heineke will change that for the Giants. Maybe he'll give us a couple <laughs> balls that they, we can take away. But, um, you know, we're not like some defense that forces turnovers at a crazy rate or anything like that. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Um, so before we go over to the offense real quickly, um, are there any like key players that we should kind of, the commander fans should know about on the Washington's defense? Like, you know, you can talk about the high end ones and even the sleeper if you want to go that route. Key players on the Giants defense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is our best player. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy who was drafted the same year as Daniel Jones, actually, uh, a little mm-hmm. bit later in that first round. Yep. He's been pretty good, not great. This year uh, in Wink Martinsdale's defense, they've moved him to nose tackle, okay. uh, whereas before he's been more of like a you know three-tack, kind of that defensive end position in a 3-4. But yep. this year he's playing nose tackle, and he's been fantastic. He's already okay. 
at his five career and a half high. sacks or something, right? Yeah, five, five and a half sacks, high. like yeah, eighteen quarterback hits. Uh, he's lining up over the center a lot and just dominating. Um, mm-hmm. So he's a guy who's been making a difference. Um, like Kayvon Thibodeau had his best game of the year last week against the the Cowboys. He's a guy what? who I think has been playing better than his stats would suggest. And I think yeah, what are people's thoughts on him? Because like I like that's funny. Like you know I have like a whole bunch of giant accounts that I follow and people are like. So he's a bust. And people are kind of getting on that route and kind of like even giant fans are saying that, which I'm surprised by. Like, what's what's this? What are, what's going on over there? I mean, he's a young guy, and even like going into the draft, we knew he wasn't like some polished Bosa level product. prospect mm-hmm. or something who's going to mm-hmm. come in and get like double digit sacks right away. But I think mm-hmm. he has been getting better and better. Um, I think he's a guy who's he's drawn a lot of penalties. Um, mm-hmm. His you know, uh, raw stats haven't been there in terms of sack production. And, you know, some fans look at that and say, hey, we took this guy in the top five. How come he's not, you know, leading the league in sacks or something like that? Mm-hmm. But I think he's a guy who's coming on. Um, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be that Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, uh, you know, Bosa brother kind of guy. Um, but I think he's going to be – he's a pocket put pusher. He's a, got a really good, like, kind of long arm bull rush, and then he kind of converts that into – um like just kind of just like bending the edge mm-hmm. uh, he's he's just kind of like a relentless pass rusher so um i think uh charles leno he's your left tackle right mm-hmm. yeah he's been having a pretty good year so it's not a huge mismatch but uh i think Kayvon, he's been coming on so i expect him to get a little bit more production uh raw production in the second half of the year mm-hmm. um but yeah he's he's had like a an what you would expect for a rookie, uh, you know, he's had his, his troubles Ups and downs. He's had some mm-hmm. matchups, but I, I expect him to be a good player for the giants for a long time. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. So let's kind of pivot real quick. We'll go into the giants offense and you can ask me any questions you'd like in regard to the commanders. So looking over here, um, the giants, um, I think they ranked, let me double check real quick. I think 20th in the league in regard to scoring. Is that what I saw? Something of that, that regard. Let me go over here yeah. real quick. The Sounds giants. Cool, right? Yeah. So the giants had about, give me one second. Uh, 20.5 points per game is 22nd ranked overall. Um, we see that they are offensive, you know, offensive yards per game, game 20th overall together, rush offense, six overall pass off 28th. So that's definitely a huge discrepancy there. And it was funny. You talk about Saquon kind of falling off, but he almost has a thousand yards pretty much what in like 12 games or, you know, in 11 games. So that's actually almost hundred yards per game. So what's going on with that? You're not really, you're not a really big fan or like, what does he starting to regress a little bit or what are you seeing? No, I'm a big fan. I think Saquon's when he's right, he's probably, I don't know. He's one of the best, you know, two or three backs in football, but mm-hmm. um, he's just, I don't know. Something's been off. I think, you know, it's, that's been kind of a, a debate within the Giants fan base as well. Like how much blame do you want to put on Saquon for, you know, not playing so well last week against the Cowboys and the week before against the Lions and mm-hmm. even, uh, you know, a few weeks ago against um, the Seahawks where, you know, he didn't rush for over 100 yards. He wasn't averaging, he, you know, he's averaging like three yards per carry somewhere around that mm-hmm. range. Um, so, you know, he did have that kind of shoulder injury and I think he suffered in week five. Ever since that, I've noticed that when he's taking on contact, he's kind of turning and favoring his the shoulder that he injured and kind of taking mm. contact with the other shoulder. So maybe that's affecting his aggressiveness when he's, um, you know, trying to burst through a hole or something like that, or take on contact. So, uh, that's something I've noticed. Um, he just, you know, he has just been quite the same explosive kind of, you know, super freak that we know Saquon is when he's at his yeah. best. But the giants have had this little buy since they played on Thanksgiving last week. So they have like, they're going to have nine days off between last game and the game on Sunday. So hopefully he can mm-hmm. take that to get a little bit healthier and then, um, kind of go back to being the guy he was because if the Giants want to be there, the best version of themselves, he's still their best player. He's the most talented player. He needs to be the focal point of the offense. And if he can't carry that load, um, you know, there's no one really else on this offense that can. So um, he needs to step up and, and, and be that guy. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, so is it fair to say that Sikon Barkley is pretty much the, the, the biggest weapon on your offense and kind of offense runs through him? Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's the number one guy. I mean, you know, Darius Slayton is our number one receiver who the Giants made take a pay cut just to stay on the team this offseason. <laughs> but he's like kind of emerged because, you know, obviously we traded Kadarius Tony. Kenny Galladay is an epic bust of a free agent signing. Um, yeah, like what's, on- what's going on with him? I want to hear about that. So like, it was funny. Like Washington was like sort of in the Kenny Galladay like – 
it was pretty much like, should we get Kenny Galladay or should we get Curtis Samuel? It kind of came down to that part. And like, yeah, I think we're happier with Curtis Samuel because the whole Panther connection right there. But like, what happened with Galladay? Just kind of seems like a complete meltdown right there. Man, <laughs> like last <laughs> year was disappointing. Um, you know, the big thing was he didn't score a touchdown all season. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just like, it didn't quite click. Um, you know, people blame Jason Garrett, people blame Daniel Jones, people blame, blamed Galladay himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, man, I would kill for Kenny Galladay's production last season. He still had like mm-hmm. over 800 yards and was still like a competent NFL receiver. But this year, uh, he's had like one game where he's had like multiple catches. Um, wow. He just doesn't not, he has no, he's been, well, he was injured for a few weeks. Um, he's just, he he's just disengaged or like, what's going on? He doesn't like being on the giants. Like, what's the problem? Like, what's the issue that you guys are hearing? I, I don't know. He has, he's had some bad drops. Um, he had a hip injury, his final season in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the giants still, you know, paid him, uh, you know, $72 million anyways to sign him in free agency. And, you know, that might be affecting his burst. He just doesn't seem like the same kind of explosive athlete that he was mm-hmm. in okay. Detroit. Um, he's just not a guy who gets separation. And quite frankly, I don't think he's a great fit for this offense. You know, this is an offense that values, you know, coming from Brian Dable, coming from Buffalo. They value guys like Stefan Diggs, great route runners, guys who separate, you know, Cole Beasley. Kenny Golley is a guy who's like, uh, just I'm going to run downfield. Even if I'm covered, throw me the ball. I'm going to jump up and get it. Mm-hmm. And that worked with Detroit because Matthew Stafford is that kind of quarterback. He's a guy yeah, who's going to throw the ball downfield into coverage and, and give his guy a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas that's not really Dable style. So I think there's a clash there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kenny Galladay just isn't the kind of receiver that, you know, the Giants are looking for uh, in terms of uh, stylistically. So I think there's some there's some um, problems there, but he's going to have to play. The Giants don't have any other receivers. It's <laughs> Darius Layton, Kenny Galladay, and then Richie James, who the Giants signed uh, from San Francisco. He's like a special teamer, punt returner, who has to, you know, basically – pretend that he's a starting wide receiver for the rest of the season. So, you know, it, he, he's so, going to have to step up and do something. So long story short, just messy, right? Galladay, basically, he did. He came over as a free agent, didn't work out. Kadarius yeah. Tony issues, so they traded him because they didn't like his, I guess, his demeanor part of the team. Mm-hmm. Want, Wendell Robinson, basically, what, he's he's injured now, too, and then basically yeah, for the year. Towards the year. <laughs> oh, wow, that's crazy. And then Richie James, yeah. wow. Yeah, so you guys just decimated on the um, wide receiving part right there. Um, I guess, well, let, let's talk about this, right? So obviously the wide receivers are a concern. What are the other concerns on offense? Is it the offensive line? Is that what it comes down to? Or like, A little guess, bit. Okay. Um, Evan Neal should be back this week uh, and starting a right tackle. You know, Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas, one of the best left tackles in football. So that's there's no problem with protecting Daniel Jones' blind side. Mm-hmm. Um, the interior offens- offensive line isn't great. We signed um, Mark Lewinsky as a right guard from in the Indianapolis Colts over the mm-hmm. offseason. Uh, he's kind of struggled in pass protection. He's still a pretty good run blocker, but he struggled in pass protection a little bit this year. Um, John Feliciano was the starting center for uh, most of this year, but he had to miss last game with a minor injury. Nick Gates, who in that week two game last year against Washington that we were kind of discussing, had a really nasty injury where he fractured his leg. Mm, it was just I think really I remember that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You may remember that. So he's a guy, he had to get like, I think it was like seven surgeries just hmm. to come back and be able to play. He was on uh, the pup list for most of this season. And he came back finally um, after this like really gruesome injury and was able to play and played pretty well last year. And he was the giant starting center kind of entrenched before uh, he got hurt last year. So if he can come back and be the starting center, that might actually be low key kind of an improvement over Feliciano at center left guard is kind of tricky. Um, we drafted a rookie in the third round, Josh Azudu, who was mm-hmm. getting some playing time. He also suffered an injury. He's questionable for Sunday. Um, ben Bredesen, I think, should be back. Um, he's actually been pretty good this year. He's a guy we got from Baltimore in like a trade last year. Um, so the interior offensive line, it's not great, you know, it's but it's not terrible. It's just some middling players. So the offensive line has been fine. You know, once we get Evan Neal back and if he continues to play uh, and progress as a rookie, then I'm not especially concerned about the offensive line. Although against this Washington front, you know, they may not be able to hold up regardless. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll kind of turn the table real quick before we kind of start wrapping up. Start talking about the games and prediction. Do you have any questions or, or is there anything you're curious about for Washington? Anything you are, uh, any kind of any questions for me? What do you got? 
Yeah, I do have some questions. Like, do you guys have any, like, are you pretty much fully healthy on offense? Like uh, Logan Thomas, is he good to go? Like is everybody good to go? So on offense, we're looking pretty good. Um, our offensive line got shook up a little bit. So Logan Thomas is our tight end. He had a rib injury that's kind of been lingering. He came off with ACL tier last year. So he's kind of been working his way back. He's actually best friends with um he's actually best friends with Taylor Heineke. So they do have that like that tight relationship and they basically work together very well. He's been targeted. He has been kind of practicing off and on this week. So I think he might be good to go. Um, the one good thing about Washington is we are pretty depth, like deep in regard to that tight end position. Like John Bates is kind of a more of a like a pass blocking, run blocking kind of tight end, but he is serviceable in the catch game as well. Um, we had Cole Turner, who um, he's been like in and out of the lineup all year long. He, he might play this week. Cole Turner, it was like six six. He actually played with Carson Strong in Nevada in college. It was a like a kind of a seam kind of like um. What's a guy, uh, uh, Jimmy Graham, kind of body architect, kind of like up the field kind of guy. So that'd be kind of nice if he comes back. So offensively, we're doing pretty well there. Our, all the starters are actually there. So Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, we have our running backs. Uh, J.D. McKissick is out for the year because he had, he had like a neck injury, lower back injury, something of that regard. Um, in regard to our offensive line, Trey Turner, our right guard, is actually out. And um, basically – what happened was our second round pick last year, Sam Cosby, who was drafted out of Texas, was projected to be a right tackle. He's had a, he actually had like a really bad hand injury. He's like, has like the, he can't move three of his fingers right now. It's kind of like, like a, a soft cast. So they put, they're going to move him to right guard this time because Trey Turner's hurt, which is actually might suit him because I think that's the long term projection for him because he's very athletic and kind of like, he's like a Brennan Sheriff kind of like, like he's a mobile, like a RAS score, like height, weight, speed guard. So I think they're going to put him at guard for right guard this game and then put Cornelius Lucas as like a, he was a swing tackle from Atlanta at the right tackle position so in theory this might be our best five offensive linemen going into the game but I am kind of curious to have San Cosby go against a pretty stout and pretty strong interior Giants offensive line for the very first time because he's never played guard before so yeah that's something to keep an eye on for you guys from the New York perspective yeah that'll definitely be a good test for him that's interesting um I think you're at center you guys are um starting Tyler Larson yeah, right. so Tyler Larson, um, basically, he's like our third center. Um, Chase Rouye was our starting center. We actually gave him a second contract. We drafted him, built built him up through D.C. Um, he was more of, of a cerebral center who actually was super smart. And, like, like our center, and, you know, this is typical, but in, in D.C., the center, like, calls offensive line protections. And Chase Rouye was actually pretty smart in regard to getting everyone in the right – and getting everyone lined up the right way, right? So – he had a really bad leg, lower leg injury at the end of last year. Happened again this year. He got injured again. Wes Schweitzer came in, who kind of had like a really bad game when he played. He had a really bad concussion. He hasn't returned since like week three. So now we're at Tyler Larson, who came from Carolina. He's familiar. He's more of a solid veteran, so that's kind of a good thing to have. Like he's not going to dominate or anything, but Tyler Larson's more of like a large guy that's what he's like that's what the best way to describe him he's not very immobile like he's not like i'm gonna pull and i'm not gonna like second he's not gonna get bull rushed either so he's just a centerpiece that's just gonna sit there <laughs> yeah, he's just gonna, he's gonna call the right play he's just block <laughs> that's kind of what he's gonna do so okay. i think so i think our offensive line is gonna be pretty good and over the last two games we haven't given up any sacks with taylor heineke really? so yeah so like i like it was a nightmare at the beginning of the year with carson wentz As carson wentz even though he's a great arm completely right now he has really poor pocket awareness and uh basically um we you know that that's his issue so now with tight taylor heineken can kind of move around so um before you ask me another question i'm seeing some um questions pop up in the chat uh, my boy command this podcast again um he said you know we talk about taylor heineken we gotta clean up those t- turnover plays i'm telling you guys that, that's the name of the game if taylor heineken throws some turnovers or some bad turnovers and fumbles it's going to be that Giants. It's, you guys are going to probably have a really easy track to win the game. And I'm telling you, like, whenever Washington plays New York, and maybe I'm cynical, throw records at the window. We always are doing some crazy things here or there. But um, here's the question, right? Once again, from Command This Podcast, is Daniel Jones allowed to audible plays at the line from your understanding? Uh, well, I mean, I've seen him do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually some talk a couple weeks ago where um, I think it was against – Houston, I believe, but um, where Daniel Jones was, they were getting to the line really early in the play clock, and mm-hmm. he Daniel Jones was getting to the line, and then uh, he was audibly plays. He was making a lot of signals, changing the play. Guys would shift, 
but um, I think the talk after that was that um, they were getting to the line. And I know the headset in the quarterback's helmet turns off, I think, at 15 seconds line yeah, of the play mm-hmm, clock. Mm-hmm, yep. So they're getting kind of getting to the line early. And then um, Mike Kafka, who was the offensive coordinator for the Giants, would then be changing the Coach play up a and little Daniel bit. Jones's mm-hmm. helmet, kind of like, you know, Sean Jared, McCain, Go- Jared, Jared Goff. Exactly. exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of the talk. So, you know, I can't speak to – how much Daniel Jones is audibling as opposed to how much Kafka is kind of feeding him the information in his ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's definitely, you know, I've seen him change the play at the line of scrimmage <clears throat> a bunch. Um, you know, I haven't really seen him do a lot of like Peyton Manning, like 10 seconds <laughs> like, on the play clock. On the field? You're not seeing that? Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's quite at that level in his, gotcha. in his first season in the system. But, um, gotcha. you know, uh, he's the Giants are definitely willing to, uh, you know, change their play based on what they see uh, on defense. So let me ask you a question now before we before you can come back to me asking me questions. So Daniel Jones, and I'm, I'm not being critical. I'm generally curious. What is he good at? What what are his strengths as a quarterback? I know he's like he's somewhat mobile, right? Does the, yeah. do the Giants deploy him and run him still a lot, or like a kind of? I saw you like 400 yards on the season. Is that like from scrambling because he's getting attacked, or is it more like a call designed runs from New York? What, what are we seeing there? Yeah, in terms of his mobility, that's I think been kind of a coaching point for him this year. Is that um, they're kind of telling him like, listen. You know, go through your first read, second read. If it's not there, don't be afraid to just get up, get up in the pocket and take what's there. Rush, mm-hmm. and especially during the season, he was he was getting a lot of uh, yardage that way, picking up a lot of big first downs that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, what's that kind of low key storyline is that he's been wearing a brace on his knee for the past four or five weeks. I think I think mm-hmm. this is the first week where he's going to take that off. So that may improve his mobility a little bit because especially early early, he was really um, gaining a lot of gra- yards on the ground. That has been quite the case uh, over the last few weeks. Now that could be because could be because defenses are adjusting to that as well, but uh, it may be that, uh, you know, him taking that brace will give them a, a little bit more, um, you know, freedom to just go and run whenever he wants. Um, you know, there's been some design runs, but it's mostly been scrambles for him. Interesting. I mean, he just, he's a good athlete. It seems like, and like, it's funny, like, like I, I was trying to go through it in my mind. We'll see how this game plays out. And I've, I've watched some Giants games here and there, not, not like with a critical eye, but I was kind of curious. I was like, who would I rather have as my quarterback? Would I rather have Daniel Jones or Taylor Heineke as my quarterback? I'm just trying to think. It seems like Daniel Jones is more mobile. It seems like, like Daniel Jones has a better arm than Heineke, but it may, I don't still know. Maybe Heineke is more clutch. Maybe has that more of that, like, that gamer gene. Does, do, you, do you find Daniel Jones to be more of like a clutch player and someone that can kind of like rise to the occasion? Or what do you – what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, he does. I still think he leads the league in game-winning drives this year. He has like oh, wow. five over the past – over the first like six or seven weeks. Um, yeah. Obviously, the Giants haven't won over the past few weeks, so uh, I don't know if anybody's passed him, but I know he was leading the league in game-winning drives, so I'm, I'm not afraid of him of – afraid of him, you know, choking late in games or anything like that. Um, he's just uh, – you know, he's not especially great at anything. He has a good arm. He's a big mm-hmm. guy. He's a solid athlete, pretty fast. Um, you know, he's a he's middling just, quarterback, right? He's kind yeah, of like, like in the middle. Got you. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's pretty accurate. He has, a, especially this year, I've noticed he's a little bit inconsistent in terms of his accuracy, where he'll just like, he'll be good, good, good. And then he'll just miss a throw that you don't mm-hmm. understand. Like, why did he miss that? Um, Consistency. But, okay. Yeah, yeah. But he's just not going to give you those like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, even like, you know, Kyler Murray plays where he 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 makes a play himself and extends. He can do it sometimes, but he's kind of like more of a linear straight line athlete, not really like twitchy or elusive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I uh I would I don't I don't want to like you know start a debate here. I would probably take Daniel <laughs> Jones just because I think he's like a more physically gifted. Like there's a reason he yeah. was taking sixth overall and Terrell Heineke was so yeah um but i think it's you know the fact that it's close is definitely a tip to taylor kineke and what he's done with his limited physical talent and he's just mm-hmm. a gamer and he knows what he's doing gotcha um yeah so let me ask you one more question you can ask you whatever you want what's the general perception in new york about the commanders like if you feel like hey describe the commanders from your perspective how would you perceive us <sighs> I just want to know. Like, I don't yeah. know if it's like our coaches are great. Like, I have no idea what you guys like. What's a national perspective or the New York perspective? Like, what are you guys hearing up there? Well, um, I mean, for the past few years, I mean, you're the one team that the Giants have been able to beat in the NFC. Yeah. So it's like, ah, yeah, 
you know, as, as bad as it is, we can still beat the, <laughs> can Washington. Beat the that's, that's yeah, kind of I hate we that. Yeah, trust two me. games all year, but there's yeah. going to be against Washington. That was kind of the thought for the last few years. Yeah. Um, but this year, I mean, I think people are seeing that they're putting together a pretty talented roster. Like, okay. you know, I think they have a more, especially, you know, with the injuries on, uh, on the Giants, they have a more talented team than the, than the Giants do. Better receivers. Um, you know, the giant strength is their defensive line, but I think that Washington has a better defensive line, um, you know, and, you know, better corners. I think you guys just have a more talented team. Um, I don't know if you guys have the coaching advantage. I would probably give the giants the slight edge there. That's true. I guess but, that's fair assessment. I agree with that. Yeah. You guys are just, a, you know, you know, an up and coming team that just needs a quarterback. I mean, I think that's, you're kind of in the same boat as, uh, the jets, um, you know, I think there's very similar. I don't know if there's any other teams that are like that, that have like a talented roster that's ready to win, but you're just kind of a quarterback shy. That's why mm-hmm. you went and went out and got Carson Wentz because you're hoping he was mm-hmm. going to be the answer. And then mm-hmm. you had to go, go back to old reliable in uh, Taylor Heineke. <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And then, Ryan, I put you on the spot so for a lot of the questions. Do you have any questions for me? Anything that you're curious about for Washington before we start talking about keys of the game? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. Um, what do you guys, what's the temperature on Ron Rivera in DC? Because uh, he's a guy who's been there. I think he was hired the same year as the Giants hired Joe Judge, if I'm not mistaken. So that means. So 2020 be, is when Rivera came. So what? Yeah. Else? So this is his third this is, year, right? Third year. Yep. Third year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know, you, you know, you made the playoffs that one year when you won the division at seven and nine, I think. So, uh, that may give him a little bit of leeway, but you know, is there a sense that, you know, fans want to get rid of him if you don't make the playoffs this year like what's the what's the leash with Ron Rivera right now so I think we grade with a curve I think that um, I'm sure you guys have caught all the national media about Dan Snyder and all the off-field issues and things of that nature and I think what happened was um when Ron Rivera was first hired I think people were really grateful like wow we actually got a proven two-time AP NFL coach of the year person to actually join the commander like we didn't really know who even wanted to be on our team with all you know but with the whole burnout of Jay Gruden and Bruce Allen and all that stuff. Right. So we got Ron Rivera. Um, he got us to the playoffs. He was known as like a local hero because he had cancer and he overcame it. Um, our team had the name change. You got to keep everyone together. Um, but we, we won the division, you know, despite all odds seven and nine and whatever people, people love them at 2020. Last year, there was kind of a step back of like the whole love with Ron Rivera because there was no progress moving forward. We were a seven and nine in 2020, seven and 10 last year. And I was like, all right, you know, like Ron Rivera is supposed to be showing progress and putting his fingerprints on the roster, but nothing really happened. Nothing really came to fruition. It kind of was like, we're kind of dragging a little bit, right? Then I started off the year one and four, and it was like, pff, we're like, dude when are we going to fire Ron Rivera? Like I was, I'm, a, I'm like a Ron Rivera guy. So I, I never went that route, but like the talk of the town was we got to fire Ron Rivera. He's like, he lost a step. He's like an old generation type of coach. Like, you know, we, we want a Michael LaFleur kind of guy or a Sir Matt LaFleur kind of guy. We want a Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. Like we don't want those like defensive minded coaches in an offensive league. That was the perspective of um, perception of Ron Rivera. I think now that we're kind of turning things around and kind of getting the six game win streak and all this off the field stuff, he's becoming a hero again. Like today is just kind of funny. I was like, I always listen to sports radio and you know, it's it's not going to happen, but some people are like asking questions like, Hey, if Washington continues winning, should Ron Rivera even be in the conversation of coach of the year? Like, I don't know if it's to that level, but like one winning six out of seven games, freaking our running back at shot uh dan siders yeah. like getting like dan siders being like you know in the news every single day like all this drama right and like you know all this messy media but he basically is keeping the team united like our quarterback goes down and all this stuff we're running we're still winning games it's like and ron rivera does deserve some respect so he has a leash for me i think he should definitely um you know i think he should definitely finish off the season i think we should go into next season with him as our leader as well because he needs like He's a culture guy bringing our team together. But I guess the next step is that, um, you know, there's talking about ownership change here in D.C. Potentially, if we get a new owner next year, we might kind of change the whole dynamics of the team altogether, a new GM, a new coach, and things like that. So I think he's going to be, like, from my perspective, he's going to be the coach this year, probably next year, and then we'll see how ownership even moves around. So it's kind of like that's kind of where we are. I I think he has at least for a year or two. That's what I think about him. I think Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I think he should stick on. I mean, I think – He's been, you know, he's been given a tough situation with the quarterbacks. Like he had that controversial quote earlier this year where they're asking, yeah, like, um, yeah, they asked him like, why, why haven't you, 
why aren't you basically in the same place as your division rivals? Like, well, how yeah. come you're not, you know, as successful as they are? And he's just like quarterback <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that yeah, got yeah. blown out of proportion. Or, I mean, yeah. it was kind of a silly thing to say. Like, he probably should have mm-hmm. um, been a little bit more media savvy there. But um, he's right. Like, the, the the commanders have had bad quarterback play. And it's hard, it's hard to win when you can't rely on the guy under center on a week-out, week-in, week-out basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that you, Taylor Heineke, you can do it with him, like that level of quarterback. Um, I think he should stay on, and I think if you give him an actual good quarterback, like you know we saw with him with um, in Carolina with Cam Newton, the guy can be a successful coach. So I would, you know, I, the grass isn't always greener. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, if I were you, I would stick with him. Um, I agree. One last question I do have though about uh, about um, the Commanders is offensively, you guys kind of have two running backs, and I was looking at the stats between Robinson and Gibson, and it's pretty close in terms of carries, yards, usage. Um, is there like a fan favorite between the two? Like, is there one that you think they should lean on more than the other to, to get better results? So they're different, right? So if you want to say fan favorite, like I, Brian Robinson's a cult hero now, right? Like, kind of yeah. like, 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 I don't know if you actually saw it. And for those of you that are listening, go into my YouTube and Ryan, you should check it out too. Like I actually was at the game when Ryan, when Brian Robinson came out, I think it was week five. He finally came back. He actually came out to many men from 50 Cent, like basically about yeah, like you know getting amazing. shot and he's coming back and all that stuff. It was like, it was actually <laughs> ridiculous. And he was like actually ran out on the field. That that was like it was like walkout song to yeah. many men by 50 Cent. And everyone was like, God damn, this guy freaking got shot and freaking playing football. So people freaking love him and kind of were rooting for him. Um, there is a, there is an Antonio Gibson love, and I think there are different styles of back, right? So Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver at Memphis. He was more of an open field kind of guy, a kick returner as well in college. And I think he offers that versatility. Like you guys will see on Sunday, Antonio Gibson is our primary kick returner. He's going to grab the ball and he's run the field, right? Um, they also want to throw the ball to Antonio Gibson, and they want to do like off-tackle runs with Antonio Gibson because he's more of a slasher, more of a sweep kind of guy, or off-tackle running back. Brian Robinson is basically more of the grinder, the pounder, like the, you know, like a uh, Derrick Henry light. He's kind of like, I want to, you know, fall forward and kind of go that direction. And um, people love him as well. So there, I think it's a great, like, like I, I don't want to say thunder and lightning because Antonio Gibson 6'2", 230 as well. It's like, it's like two big bruising backs. Antonio Gibson is more of like a, like a receiver, kind of a slash while, while Brian Robinson is a thumper. Um, the stats are very similar. I saw that too. It's like 470 and 470. But remember, like Brian Robinson missed the first four games of the right. year. So Brian Robinson's like he's like upward trajectory, 100 yard game last week, up a receiving touchdown. And I think Brian Robinson is now getting his like health back because he actually got shot twice in one leg. And now it's like, dude, Crazy. now it's like now it's like a two months later. Like he's like just like eight weeks after being shot. Now he's like f- maybe fully healthy. And it's like. He had an awesome quote, and that's something to keep an eye on for both of our fan bases. He was like, my, the first couple of games back, I just wanted to get back to the line of scrimmage and fall forward. Now my vision is to break a tackle on the second level. Like I want to get to a linebacker and try to shake him and take it further. And I, like he actually had over 100 yards against the Falcons. So like I think it would be really cool if, if the Giants really are being pushed back on the offensive line, like Brian Robinson gets to that second level. It would be really cool to kind of see if he can actually do something with it. So. We're excited yeah. about that. That guy yeah. runs hard, man. I remember watching uh, that Eagles game. I think that was, mm-hmm. was that a Thursday night or a Monday night or I forget. Monday night football. Monday night football. Monday night yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. He, I was impressed. Like he was mm-hmm. keeping you guys on schedule, like getting like churning out four yards when it seemed like there was nothing, you mm-hmm. know, falling forward. He's that guy runs hard. He's he's pretty awesome. That was, that was a great pick by you. Yeah, man. I, we're really, I, I was really happy with that too. Like for me, yeah. going in going into the season, um, Antonio Gibson led the league in fumbles last year. He had six actual lost fumbles last year, and he had like, like three or four more that like actually fumbled. And um, basically, I was like, man, like I like Antonio Gibson, but we should probably get draft someone early. And I wanted like Kenneth Walker or like something like that. I wanted like someone pretty high. And um, you know, obviously the Seahawks jumped on that, and I was like, all right, Brian Robinson. I didn't really know much about him, but like thirteen hundred yard back from Alabama, like fourteen touchdowns, like dude. He's gonna come out pro ready coming from Saban, so like it's actually pretty cool. Like the bat, the Bama running backs are you know Josh Jacobs and freaking uh, there's you know all of them. Dude. They all just come from uh, you know, they, they come out pro ready. And I was just hoping to have him, so that was pretty nice. So Najee Harris and Derrick Henry and all these guys are Alabama ready, so it was good. Yeah, cool. definitely. Any other yeah. questions? Or are you good to go? No, I think that's good. Uh, yeah, that was what? What were we at? Like an hour or something? That yeah, was yeah, a yeah, great was, conversation. It was, man. Yeah, let's start wrapping it up though. So. 
What do you think in regard to the game, man? Are you pretty confident in the game? Like, do you think the Giants are going to win? Are you like, you know, what do, they, what do they need to do to win? If you want to go that route, we'll kind of, we'll do that. We'll do a prediction. We'll get out of here. Yeah. Um, in terms of my confidence, um, it's, it's honestly, it's a coin flip. I, in my uh, preview article, I gave the Giants the edge 20 to 17 was my final score prediction. So mm-hmm. just because they're at home mm-hmm. and I don't really know which way to lean. So I gave the home team the advantage. Um, mm-hmm. um you know, if, if it does play out that way, I'll probably give the commanders the, the, the advantage, um, when, you know, when the, the teams play, uh, in, in DC, um, in terms of the Giants, like how, how can they win? It starts with Saquon. They need to get him going. He needs to have a big day because if it's Daniel Jones throwing to these receivers, if that's you know how the Giants need to move the ball to score points, that may work. Um, you know, for a possession or two, you know, if Kafka and Dable can like scheme up some some open guys downfield, but it's going to be hard for those receivers to win consistently. So they need Saquon to be the focal point, be productive, have a big bounce get bounce back game. Um, and then defensively, the Giants, um, yeah, like I said, they need to hope that Taylor Heineke gives them one or two uh, interceptable balls, and then you know, and then they actually have Take to intercept them. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they need to stop the run. They need to stop Brian Robinson because that's you know what you guys have been doing to kind of uh, power this little winning streak you're on is you've gotten the running game going, uh, and then you know hope Terry McLaurin doesn't burn you and that you're able to sack a <laughs> sack Taylor Heineke a couple times, but. Um, it's going to be tough, man, but I really think it does come down to Saquon Barkley having a big game. I think it's going to be Barkley. I have that internal like PTSD from Daniel Jones doing freaking Mike Vick moves on us. I'm kind of worried about yeah. that as well. But I, you know, personally, I think Washington, I think, I think realistically, because I just obviously know this whole history, we're going to split, right? Like in a yeah. dream world, Washington would win and probably, you know, that we have the inside track and I'd have a nice relaxing December, but I just know that's not going to happen. I think we're probably going to split. It's going to be kind of a nip and tuck run at the end of the year. Um, you know, for one reason or another, I kind of feel like we might get it here in New York. We might lose it here. You know, FedEx fit to flip it around. Like, but it could be wrong. Um, it's going to be Saquon, man. Like Washington, um, Washington's been shutting down running backs all year long. Washington, I think what they would do, because we don't have great linebackers, we scheme against running backs. So it's going to be like, a, like instead of like a 3-4 or 4-3, we're going to go 5-2 against you guys on um on Sunday, right? Like we don't like, we'll have, or maybe like a 5-1, whatever, like with the 5, you know, we'll have like our defensive backs. Like that's yeah. how we do it. Like we have, we have a Cam Curl, number 31, who plays more of like a strong safety position where he like will play like a, a, a good money back or dime back or he basically is like an, an extension of a linebacker at the safety position. So I think we'll limit Saquon Bartley for most of the game. But I'm afraid he's going to basically hit some big ones, kind of explode. So we'll see if he has an explosion there. But um, funny that you said 2017 because I said the same thing in my article. So 2017 Commanders is what I got. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close game, and we'll see it all plays out, man. So it's cool. Um, Ryan, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. It's a good hour of good conversation. Um, before we wrap it up, uh, basically, where can they find you on socials? Um, what are you up to? What products are you working on? Drop everything you need, bro. Yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned, I have that uh, preview article um, for the game on Sunday. So go check that out at fullpresscoverage.com. Check out all my other stuff at that same website, fullpresscoverage.com. Check out Full Press Giants on Twitter. Check out my Twitter, Ryan underscore uh, Cuneo. Um, And uh, yeah, man, check out. I'll have a, you know, most likely a reaction podcast after the game on Sunday talking about, you know, whatever went down, Giants win, lose, uh, you know, breaking it all down, how it happened. And, uh, and then for the Giants Commanders game coming up in a couple of weeks, I'll have, you know, another preview, another podcast about that too. So uh, definitely uh, check me out on all those places. Hell yeah, man. Definitely. So I also highly recommend fullpresscoverage.com. It's a really good webpage. I write for that as well. I write for the Full Press Commanders on that webpage. Um, I obviously host the Full Press Commanders podcast. You guys can find me at GCarmy21 and at my sister handle at, at FBC underscore commanders. Um, Ryan, it was a great talking to you guys. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for all of us in the chat. Have a great Friday night. Peace out. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.